1: We got a show for you today, and welcome. We are on OutKick.com, first day. Let's get off of that site that stymies us. We don't want it. Like others, we're moving to our own site, OutKick.com. Hope you're here, and if you are, thank you. I guess you would be here. If I'm talking to you, Jimmy Kimball, under fire from Aaron Rodgers, but he fires back. Aaron Rodgers also tells you, well, he tells you the damn truth about what's going on with NFL referees. Connor Stallions! Shows up at the Michigan game. God bless him. Bad night for me and for others. But I got to tell you, not a bad night. When Dean Gray resigns from Harvard, I'm all in on all of it. And it ain't white people's fault. Just stop, stupid. Be right back. What? Don't at me starts when? Right now. Hey, good morning and welcome. You know we love a good dust-up. We don't kind of like a good dust-up. We love a good dust-up. Aaron Rodgers, every Tuesday, goes on the Pat McAfee Show. And every Tuesday, Aaron Rodgers uh, and the world gets our money's worth. Pat pays Aaron Rodgers. And rightfully so, Aaron Rodgers is must-listen every Tuesday. And yesterday, he didn't deliver. First, he goes in on what I've been telling you. It is not a meritocracy. In NFL officiating, I'm sorry it's not. It's DEI-based, diversity, equity, and inclusion. In fact, equity-wise, I demand to be a cornerback in the NFL. Isn't the E for equity? Aren't we all supposed to get the same opportunities? I want to be a cornerback. Damn it. Why aren't I allowed to? Racist. Anyway, Aaron Rodgers knows what I have been telling you. What I've been telling you is not a secret. And what I've been telling you is this, the NFL, about five, six, seven years ago, whatever it was, decided we need to get younger. We need to get more females. We need to get more minorities. It used to take you 25 years to get into the NFL. You used to have to have experience, not now. No, 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 five, six years, and they got rid of a bunch of people, old white guys at the head. And now you see fat-ass women on the sideline, fat-ass dudes in the middle. I mean, you see it all, and the NFL is suffering from it. Now, nobody's going to admit this, but they know it. I've talked to numerous NFL referees, numerous, not just one, numerous, and they've all said the same thing. Yeah, we know what was going on. We all knew. Couple are still working. Couple are out. You got women. You had to, right? And they're awful. You got more African Americans, and that's cool. I don't care. But what I do care about is you got to be good enough. And experience matters in NFL officiating. Why do you think, as they were building the league, you had to have 25 years' experience before you were even considered? Now it's less than 10. And very arrogantly, the younger guys tell the older guys, well, you must not have been very good if it took you 25 years. And then they go out and screw up calls. Do white dudes screw up calls? Hell yeah, they do. Why? Because they're inexperienced. Because they were rushed. Because they were all pushed up. And look, Aaron Rodgers said absolutely the same thing. This is not a secret that I've been telling you. This is not, oh man, Dawkins just don't like minority. No, it ain't nothing to do with it. It's just simply the truth. That's what we give you. Here's Aaron Rodgers talking about the lack of meritocracy in NFL officiating. It's simple.
2: There were too many times over the years where it wasn't a true meritocracy for the playoffs. Because you'd be in these games in the playoffs, and it should be, you know, you got four wildcard games, right, the first weekend, and then four divisional games, and then two, Sick. right? So do you really need to have 10, county it should 11 of the 16 or 17 crews, I guess it's 17, I think it's 17 crews, be represented? No, you don't. It should be a meritocracy. It should be the best... The best crews, and if that's the same four or five crews, so be it. Look at the NBA; it's the same. It's the same couple crews once you get into the final rounds of the playoffs, right? Because it should be. Uh, I don't. I don't know if it is, but it should be the top-rated guys. It should be the same in the NFL, and because we know who the best crews are. And that's what I'm saying. This isn't a
1: secret. Like things don't just happen in a vacuum. They don't happen to where you're like, well you know, they're really good. No, players know. Hell, I knew in college when this fat guy named Fred Jasper was officiating the game, the game was going to be a mess. I'm just saying. So anyway, Aaron Rodgers and the rest of the NFL are starting to talk about what we have been talking to you about on this show for months, maybe years, I can't remember. And that is DEI, the Pushing Out of Veteran Officials to make sure we're younger, more female, more diverse, has screwed the NFL officiating to the point now where players, and this is the most interesting thing, players are very comfortable talking about it. We've seen more players now talking about how God-awful officiating is than we have ever seen in our lives. We've never seen this. We've never seen players in the NFL, protect the shield they say, We've never seen players talk like this, and it's just not Aaron Rodgers. It is everyone. Rodgers also had something to say about Jimmy Kimmel. Now, this has been a back and forth between Kimmel and Rodgers. Kimmel is the absolute poster child for liberal vax. He is the poster child for if you don't do what I say, then I'm going to rip you. I'm using my bully pulpit, and I am going to rip you. Well, Aaron Rodgers was, in fact, Aaron Rodgers is a big name, and Jimmy Kimmel has, well, he's gone at Aaron Rodgers for everything from anti-vax status to the little bun in his hair. Now, Jimmy Kimmel is among the worst human beings around, in my opinion. The things that Jimmy Kimmel has done on TV and somehow gotten away with in an era of Me Too and others is disgusting. But the facts are these. Jimmy Kimmel, I no, that's not facts. I wrote down facts. It's not facts. The fact is Aaron Rodgers went after Jimmy Kimmel yesterday about something that isn't factual. At least we don't know. Who is going to be on the flight logs to Epstein's Island? Did you see this? Did you see that Bill Clinton is now walking around like Vincent the Chin back in the days of the mob where Vinnie the Chin walked around in his bathrobe acting crazy to avoid prosecution? Well, Bill Clinton is now walking around with a mask and looking like he's 110 years old with old wide-hip Hillary at his side. So they're faking it. They're getting ready. But the list is supposedly going to come out any time now. And guess what? Aaron Rodgers is hoping that Jimmy Kimmel is on that list. There have been rumors that Kimmel is on the list. There have been rumors that Kimmel is one of the people on the list. Not substantiated. I don't buy nothing that I see on the internet until I... Well, until it's fact, until it's released. And right now, nothing that I'm going to believe has been released. Kimmel nervous. Rodgers attacking. Here's Aaron Rodgers on Jimmy Kimmel.
2: Has something to do with the Epstein list that came out? (laughs) Feels like it's <laughs> like. supposed to be coming out soon. That's supposed to be coming out soon. Look this guy. has been it's waiting in his people. wine yeah. cellar. Yeah. I've been waiting in yeah. my wine yeah. cellar for this yeah. thing. A lot of people, including <laughs> Jimmy Kimmel, are really hoping that doesn't die. Uh, <laughs>
3: All right. All right. <laughs> All right. Obviously, a clip from this particular program was run on Jimmy Kimmel's show. Uh, whenever Aaron brought up the, the list and then. Jimmy mocked him for it. Mm-hmm. Aaron has not forgotten about that, but here we are, sitting right in front of that nice bottle of scotch. Mm-hmm. What do you say? I'm waiting to celebrate something. Oh, yeah. yeah something <laughs> He's awesome. been
2: waiting. That's for the it. one. <laughs> been waiting. Hey, I'll tell you what. If that list comes out, I definitely would be popping, popping some sort of bottle. Jimmy Kimmel
1: responded. Here's Jimmy Kimmel's response. Very clever from Jimmy Kimmel. Dear A Ace Hole. Kimmel wrote for the record, I've not met, flown with, visited, or had any contact whatsoever with Epstein, nor will you find my name on any list other than the clearly phony nonsense that soft brain wackos like yourself can't seem to distinguish from reality. Your reckless words, and this is the liberal, this is the liberal me, uh, talking point. Put my family in danger. Keep it up, and we will debate the facts further. In court Wow, Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel said. Jimmy Kimmel has made a lifetime of making fun of people. Jimmy Kimmel has made an absolute glorious living, making fun of others, putting on blackface, dressing as Carl Malone, assaulting women, talking about pedophiles on various shows. And now Jimmy Kimmel's a little angry because somebody uses a national platform to come back at him. Oh, the horror. Oh, the horror, Jimmy. It is amazing how these media guys, boy, they can dish it out, but man, they can't take it. Greg Doyle, our punching bag here at Don't At Me, oh my God, he rips everybody. I came back at him. Oh, he cried. He wrote an article where he got so mad that he actually admitted to being an adulterer. He admitted his adultery. That's how mad these guys get. Another writer, Stephen Holder, I got him so mad he dropped F-bombs on national radio. Other guys, Zach Kiefer, got so mad because I would criticize him that he literally, and I'm being literal here, wrote a mean post on Twitter with tears. He was crying when he did it, his friends told me. These dudes do not like anybody coming back at them at all. They want carte blanche. They think of themselves as exempt. Sure, they can rip on people, but rip on them, and the tears start a-flowing. And when I read Jimmy Kimmel's response, I'm going to tell you, I believed him. I got a hard time believing that Jimmy Kimmel was dumb enough, well, not dumb enough, was on flights. Let's put it that way. I have a hard time. Now, people are saying he doth protest too much. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But I'd do the same thing. I mean, I'd be like, hey, never did it. Wouldn't do it. Now, nobody's going to sue nobody because really what Aaron Rodgers said wasn't anything. And it certainly did not put Jimmy Kimmel's family in any type of danger. It didn't put Jimmy Kimmel's family in nothing. What it did was it said what many people have said on the internet and other places, that maybe Jimmy Kimmel was there. And if you're going to pop bottles because Jimmy Kimmel's there, then I want to know from you. Who do you want to see on the flight log? I'll give you two. I would love for Doyle to be on there. I would love for Dan Wolken to be on there. I think that'd be funny as hell. I mean, it's a sad situation, but I do I, I would pop bottles if Doyle was on there. I'd pop bottles if Wolken was on there, just two dirt bags. But anyway, what are you going to do? I don't anticipate it. But if Jimmy Kimmel is on there, that, my friends, is going to be something. Hey, did you see this? Sign stealer Connor Stallions was all over the Rose Bowl. He was sitting there watching the game. He had shaved his head. He looked all Connor Stallions-ish. Good for him, man. Look, you got to live your life. I don't know that this guy has done anything other than save Jim Harbaugh's career. I don't think he did. I mean, all he did was steal some signs. I don't think there's a federal investigation. The NCAA may come in and he may never be able to work as a college football coach again, but what does he care? I'm sure they paid him off. Let's go blue, got roses around his neck. I guarantee you when Connor Stallions walks into a bar in Pasadena or L.A. and Michigan people are there, he's getting pat on the back and he's getting drinks for free. He saved Jim Harbaugh, he did, and good for him. Hey, look, to the victor go the spoils. All right, the story yesterday, it came out, and it's all white people's fault. That's right. Whitey bad. Now, uh, Claudine Gay is the president, was the president of Harvard, making $900,000 a year. Claudine Gay got up in front of Congress and absolutely made a jackass of herself. She would not disavow anti-Semitism. Her arrogance protruded through the television screen and hit me in the face. Her stupidity did as well. Now, that's not a white person's problem. That's a Claudine Gay Harvard problem. The president of Penn did the same thing. The president of MIT, all very smug, very arrogant, and very chicken-blank women. What did Penn do? They reacted quickly. They fired her. What did MIT do? Nothing yet. What did Harvard do? Well, all you gotta do is look at Claudine Gay, and you would know what Harvard did. Last thing in the world they wanted to do was fire Claudine Gay, an African-American woman. But here's what they did. They started investigating. Things came out. She, ladies and gentlemen, decided, well, I'm gonna resign. Sweetheart Deal, still gets to teach there. Oh, man, what a crew they got there at Harvard. Between here and the former mayor of Chicago. Kapesta, my eyes are burning. Anyway, all of this came out. All of it came out, the plagiarism. In fact, it's come out that Claudine Gay was not even qualified for the job. Now, that ain't a white person's problem. In fact, I would argue that white people gave in and hired her. But you know what we're seeing? White supremacy at its best. Why is it white supremacy that a white woman got fired at Penn for the same thing? Actually, there's three things here. There's being anti-Semitic or not disavowing anti-Semitism, not disavowing it in front of Congress. That's one. Two, by not disavowing it, you embarrass one of America's elite institutions. In fact, you could argue those three institutions, Penn, are among the top five. Penn, MIT, and Harvard are among the top five institutions in the country, if not the world. And each president embarrasses the institution. Now, here's the deal with that. When you are in this situation, as a president of a university, you have trustees, (coughs) you have donors, She embarrassed those trustees. She embarrassed those donors with her actions at Harvard. She infuriated the sane student body, not the pro-Hamas student body, not the agitators of Jewish kids' student body, the sane student body, the student body that got into Harvard because they're smart, not because they're woke or have some kind of affiliation, the sane student body. She's been the president for six months and two days. Now, 40 examples of plagiarism. There were doubts of her ability to respond and be a leader. You couldn't be a leader. Faculty at Harvard and other places are very smart. They're not dumb. As I return to the faculty and to the scholarship and teaching, that are the lifeblood of what we do, I pledge to continue working alongside you to build a community we all deserve. <clears throat> she also blamed it on racism. Of course she did. It's Whitey's fault. Whitey doesn't love you. Academia doesn't love you. That's what I hear. They don't love us. They don't love us at all. Really? How about you don't plagiarize? How about you get the job legit? How about you stand up against anti-Semitism you didn't? The white professor at where? Penn Ivy League, didn't. Now there's six new plagiarism charges. And yet, and yet, Harvard gave this lady a golden parachute. Harvard said, hey, here's the deal. We'll give you $900,000 and we'll let you teach. She should be away from the institution. If Harvard had real sack, and they don't, because I'll explain in a minute, they would be getting her out on the last train. Goodbye. Adios. Hasta la vista. La But here's what happened. Natasha S. Alford. What happened to Claudine Gay is a playbook they, meaning Whitey, will follow again and again. They will do whatever it takes to undermine, humiliate, and unseat black people in positions of power they don't want there. All right. Well, guess what? It's not just about removing this black woman Harvard president. They want to send a warning shot to any black person who dares come next, be afraid, and to think twice. Yeah? Really? So how do you explain, then, getting rid of the white professor over the same thing? How do you explain it? Is that racism too? Should we just blame black people for that? I mean, the level of stupid is not surprising. It's not. I wish it were. But the grifters are all out. One guy went as far as to say, they must hire a black woman president immediately. Why? Okay, go get Candace Owens. I don't know. She's smarter than Claudine Gay. I heard Claudine Gay speak. I was at Harvard's graduation. Great speakers at Harvard's graduation. Two were awful. Claudine Gay, you get up there, and there are students that are speaking that are fantastic, although it's a bit, you know, it's really kind of funny. But anyway, uh, the former president was unbelievable. Everybody in that place was so impressive except Tom Hanks and Claudine Gay. And no, I'm not just throwing a white guy in there. Tom Hanks's speech made my stepdaughter and all her friends go, yeah, I don't know what this is about. Yeah, who the hell knows what this guy's talking about. It was idiotic. And Claudine Gay, when she got up there, you're like, really? Really? This is the president of Harvard? The previous president, some white man, was awesome. Now, you don't like it, you don't like it, but he was. Everybody there, you could tell, had a connection to him. Everybody at Harvard, you could tell, felt like, well, this is a DEI hire that's going to go bad. A lot of people on that campus, and uh, I over here, I listen. It's what I do. And a lot of people are like, yeah, this ain't going to go well, including some of the girls that I talked to. I don't think Claudine, in fact, I know Claudine Gay was not that respected at all on campus. But she got to be the president. Why? I don't know. You tell me. Uh, Ibrahim... our guy, Abraham X. Kennedy, whose real name is like Henry Rogers. Racist mobs, Abraham says, won't stop until they topple all black people from positions of power and influence who are not reinforcing the structure of racism. No, you're reinforcing anti-Semitism, Henry. That's what she did. She plagiarized Henry, which you can't do in the academic world. What these racist mobs are doing should be obvious to any reporter who cares about truth or justice as opposed to conflicts or cliques. Really? The Hodge twins said, hey, bruh, she got caught red-handed plagiarizing his papers. Race ain't got nothing to do with it. These two are African-American. Why do people have to keep race hustling and playing the weak-ass victim card? It's exactly right. Libs of TikTok. She's a serial plagiarist. Why are you bringing racism into this? Because it's all Ibrahim Henry Rogers has. What else do you got? See, here's what race hustlers do. They look. They look, they look, they look, and then they pray. They're like a snake. Where can we go? Where's the next hustle? Where's the next? Oh, here it is. And then they pray on it. Ibrahim, my ass, your name is Henry Rogers. Hey, Henry, how are you? Having a nice day today, Henry? Good. Drive you nuts. Hey, next, MIT. White woman. Get rid of her ass. See, I'm not racist. I said get rid of Whitey's ass. But (laughs) I just laugh at all this stuff. This stuff is so ridiculous to me. Can you imagine a woman like the woman at Penn, didn't stand up against anti-semitism, embarrassed her school, is a known plagiarist, and people say she got fired for race when a white woman at Penn got fired for two of the three. Not even the plagiarism part. The woman at Penn actually had the credentials to be the president of Penn. The woman at Harvard had nothing but skin color, short hair, Urkel glasses. The resignation... Jalan Alexander, MA, the resignation of Dr. Claudine Gay as a reminder that white people, particularly white men, do not like highly educated black women in powerful positions. Yeah, it is. We are watching white people regress. Yes, we're regressing. We're demanding that you not plagiarize. We're demanding that you not embarrass your institution. We're demanding. We should all be demanding that you, well, seems simple. Denounce anti-Semitism. We are watching white people regress in real time and bully black and marginalized people in higher education. All right. Some guy, so you're saying black people should be allowed to commit the academic equivalent of fraud, get away with it, when no one else can. That is racist. Yeah, the court of public opinion will squash this very quickly. Uh, The race hustlers are not, are not, absolutely not getting away with it. They're hustlers. They're race hustlers. They're going to get their little group, have their little speech, talk about how bad white people are. Here's the deal. Here's what you want. In this case, what people want is equal. Everybody wants equal treatment, but special. When you get equal treatment, you get fired just like the white person did. Period. Period. But you want special. Claudine Gay supporters want special. We want equal. We should be the president of Harvard. You got it. She got fired. Same institution, different place, Penn and Harvard, same institution. But we want special. All right. Well, you didn't get special. I don't know what to tell you. You want equal but special? Yeah, you got the equal. And we tried to tell you all along, equal's great, but it ain't as great as you think. It's not. But you can't have equal and special. Well, yeah, but we shouldn't be fired uh, even though we, 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 we're anti-Semitic, we're chicken shit, we're, 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 we're afraid, we're... Uh, we, 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 no, we shouldn't be fired. Only the white person should be. Yeah, well, that ain't the way equal works, bro. It ain't the way... Equal works. Mark Spears is a guy I really dislike. I had him on my show one time, and I thought he was a jackass. So Mark Spears is a writer, and they gave him some award. He's not a writer of any distinction, but they gave him some award. I don't know, some, some award. Mark Spears is now claiming that a San Francisco store racially profiled him. Now, the store apologized, but apparently did nothing wrong. Spears said, I do want to let you know. Well, Spears was asked if he could use a restroom. They said, the police station is across the street. Spears took that as an affront. As a black man, you're sending me to the police station. And the customer said, yeah, they won't arrest you. Spears, of course, made a deal about it. Spears said, "Um, they're racially profiling me. All right. Well, the store said this. I do want to let you know that we send all patrons across the street to the gas station, our police station, to use the bathroom. Station doesn't seem to mind, as we sent folks across the street to the grocery on the corner. But it became too much for them to handle. Understandably, the police station is open and welcoming. Since there isn't a public restroom nearby, this was not directed to you personally. I do see how it could have been misrepresented, but I promise that was not the case. What they should tell Spears is stick it. Spears said, thanks for the police station explanation. Although the words are about not getting arrested, it didn't sit well. Also, another issue with being racial profiled as a whole upon entering. Well, he never specified that. Yeah, good for Spears. It's like like a Shaq Leonard. Shaq Leonard, a few years ago at a Chipotle, when it was all at the height of being, you know, everybody's racially profiled, came with that. I was racially profiled, made a video. People started asking questions. You know what happened? Shaq Leonard shut that thing down really fast. Hey, Mark Spears, he walked into a store. The bathroom's at the police station. You don't understand, Doc. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. Uh, we all do. We all understand. You can't wait. I mean that gives you cred. That gives, see being racially profiled or something like it it gives you gravitas. We all know this. We we get all, nobody wants to say it, but they pay me to say things that are truth. But I will also preface it. I don't like Mark Spears. Yeah, I don't know him. Came on my show I'm like eh, didn't know anything. Typical guy. Typical NBA media. Didn't know anything. Was trying to be hip. Yeah, we had to shut him down. Yeah i tell you what else I don't like, Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett, there's a scandal going on in Pittsburgh. And Kenny Pickett, the starting quarterback. Kenny Pickett apparently said, I'm not backing up Mason Rudolph. Well, that's according to the fattest, dumbest, biggest slob in media. A big, fat buffoon named Mark Madden. Mark Madden is a Pittsburgh legend. Mark Madden has never broke a story in his life. He's just a big, fat, shirt-stained with pizza, whatever he's had that day, loudmouth, cowardly buffoon. That's it. I just told that I was just told that Pickett 100% refused to be the backup. That the Steelers writers know, but they won't write. If Mark Madden says it, you just don't believe. it. I get it. Pittsburgh likes the guy. But he's just a a big, ridiculous, slovenly, lazy loser. And I'm giving him pub. And good for Mark Madden because that's the kind of pub Mark Madden desires. That's the only kind of pub Mark Madden can get. Never been a player. Never been a coach. Never wiped his ass on a field. Never did nothing. But Mark Madden knows. And he's standing by his story. Okay, great. Wonderful. If Mark Madden says it, I ain't believing it. Kenny Pickett has come out and said, yeah, it's not true. Yeah, it's not. Nah, there's nothing true about that. Nah, that's crap. And look, I don't know. I I have no idea. I don't know whether it's true or not, but I do know this. If Mark Madden says it, chances are it ain't true. And chances are, he's the happiest slob in America right now because his slovenly ass gets to sit at home and people are actually talking about him. And that's it. That's the only thing that poss wants, is people to talk about him in some way, shape, or form. Look, if Kenny Pickett did that, tough look for him. I mean... I wouldn't respect him. You know, we all got to be backups at some point. I mean, we all when you get injured, you got I always think the coach that says you can you can't lose your job when you're injured. All right. All right. That's fine. I don't know what side of it, I don't care what side of it. I just know this, I wanted to take this time to say what the world knows and that Mark Madden is a bad guy, period. Maybe we'll get a, maybe we'll get a, we're going to be sued for that. You do you, Mark. You do whatever it is you think you do, big boy. Now, people are coming out and, you know, other guys are saying, Kenny Pickett opens his availability this morning by saying the rumors that he refused to dress against Seattle if he wasn't starting aren't true. Here's
4: Kenny Pickett. Hopefully this answers a lot of things before I get started. I saw reports out there that I feel like were attacking you know, my character and how I am as a person, not even getting into a player standpoint of it. Um, there was no talk of me being a backup quarterback this week in terms of being a two. Um, if I was healthy enough to play and the trainers and coaches felt like I looked good enough to play, I was going to start and play. Um, if they believed that I was not, which they believed I was not, I was not going to dress and suit up for the game. Um, so whoever reported that, I don't know where it started. Um, it's kind of crazy what people will write and put out there. Um, to try to you know, prove their point or help their standpoint or their careers and, and what you guys do. Um, but, you know, disappointed to see that um, without any proof or basis of it. So this week, I'm now the two. They feel good four weeks out of the surgery uh, for me to dress and be the two. So I will be the two and do what I have to do to be ready to go for Baltimore. So if there's any other questions about that, um, I feel like I answered it pretty good there. If there's anything else, is there any Baltimore questions that we get on the Baltimore?
1: Well, I got to tell you, I wish I cared. I don't. And, you know, Pittsburgh, everybody's singing Mike Tomlin's praises. Good for them. They had a winning season. Yay, Rod, go fight, win. But the fact of the matter is simply this. Pittsburgh stinks. Hey, a story has erupted. Uh, After throwing a touchdown pass, Quinn Ewers, now this is in the Sugar Bowl, Quinn Ewers decided to do the same gun celebration that we saw John Morant do. Of course, the Twitter crowd is crying racism. Racism, I say, saying that Ewers got away with the hand gesture only because he's white. All right. Well, there's the hand gesture. And it will show you Morant's, Moray, whatever the hell, job Morant's hand gesture, too. And, you know, I guess, yeah, I don't know. And I don't know, I asked some people, is this like the new thing? You know how they used to bow and arrow? They used to do all these things? Yeah, I don't know. But what I do know is this. Quinn Ewers has never been suspended for flashing a Glock. Quinn Ewers has never been suspended for hitting a little kid or a 17-year-old. Quinn Ewers has never been suspended for having his people flash a gun underneath Memphis' gym at Pacer Personnel. So if Quinn Ewers wants to pull out a hand and act like he's shooting, God bless him. Until he shows up in a rap video with some fat little kid singing rap songs, flashing iron, with one in the hole, as the fellas say, then I don't want to hear about it. Because Quinn Ewers, if that's racism, in your mind, good. just shows how stupid you are. But if Quinn Ewers does get arrested, for gunplay, if Quinn Ewers does get arrested for having guns involved in anything that he does and he makes a gun gesture, then I'll rip him just like we should rip John Moran. I mean, John Moran, I don't know. I didn't rip anybody because I don't know if that's a gun gesture. I don't know what that is, and I don't care. Make all the gestures you want. Just don't be in videos with your strap on with one in the hole. Don't do it. It's not wise. It costs you millions. I mean, I don't know what to tell you, but it does. It costs you millions. Millions, I say. And why do you need to cost yourself millions? But if that's racism, good for you, man. Hey, Dawkins, you don't think anything white people do is racism. Well, I certainly don't think Claudine Gay being fired had anything to do with racism. I think Claudine Gay getting hired had to do with racism, and I certainly don't think criticizing a guy who has been suspended and actually is very lucky, I've been told, that he does not have charges filed against him and John Morant making a gun thing as opposed to Quinn Ewers, who's never had any of it making a gun thing. Not only that's racism to say, I don't care about Quinn Ewers, but if I were John Morant, I'd be a little smarter than that. And if that's racism, God bless you. No, seriously, God bless you. Hey, I want to go back. I want to go back to Aaron Rodgers. couple of things with Aaron Rodgers. Can we play what Aaron Rodgers said? And I want to ask you this. Is there anything here? Like, I understand anybody can sue anybody. You can wake up in the morning, and I'm looking at Keyshawn Johnson right there and say, I don't like his tie. He stole that tie from appearance I did, and you can sue him. You can do whatever you want with that, okay? But the fact of the matter is, is there anything here that Aaron Rodgers says about Jimmy Kimmel that you would say is slander? Let's give a listen before we go to break.
3: Does that something to do with the Epstein list that came out? <laughs>
2: feels like feels <laughs> That's like it's supposed to be coming out soon. That's supposed to be coming out. Soon. Look, at this guy's been There's waiting in his wine people. cellar. Yeah. I've been waiting in yeah, my wine yeah, cellar I, for this time. A lot of people, including <laughs> Jimmy Kimmel, are really hoping that doesn't. Uh, please. <laughs> All right.
3: All right, <laughs> obviously a clip from this particular program was run on Jimmy Kimmel's show uh, whenever Aaron brought up the the list and then Jimmy mocked him for it. Mm-hmm. Aaron has not forgotten about that. But here we are sitting right in front of that nice bottle of scotch. Mm-hmm. What do you say? I'm waiting to celebrate something. Oh, yeah. yeah something <laughs> He's awesome. been waiting. That's for the one. <laughs> <laughs>
2: hey, I'll tell you what. If that list comes out, I definitely
1: will be popping, popping some sort of bottle. I don't see where there's anything there that Jimmy Kimmel can get mad about. Let's show Kimmel's response on Twitter where Kimmel says that his family is in jeopardy." That's like a liberal talking point, right? Everything that anybody does is putting us in jeopardy. Not met, flown with, visited, or had any contact whatsoever with Epstein, nor will you find my name on any list other than the clearly phony nonsense that soft-brained wackos like yourself can't seem to distinguish from reality. Your reckless words put my family in danger. Okay. Keep it up and we will debate the facts further. I put a post up last night that basically said this. Jimmy Kimmel loves dishing it out, but he certainly cannot take it. Got over a million views. I'm just out here doing my thing. Got over like 1.4 million views. People understand and people are tired of folks like Jimmy Kimmel. You're just tired of it. They make fun every night. I used to like Letterman, but I stopped. Because I felt like Letterman got too angry every night. I felt like Letterman was always just nasty, angry. I don't need that action. Why would I need that action in my life? Just release the flight logs and the nonsense and watch the media not cover Bill Clinton, not cover Obama, not cover Gates, not cover any of these guys if, in fact, their names are on them. People think it's going to be a big deal. I think it's going to be much ado about nothing. They'll bitch about Donald Trump, but it is on record that Donald Trump kicked Epstein out of Mar-a-Lago, did not associate once he found out what he was doing. I don't know what's true. I don't know what's not true. What I do know is, let's get these names out. You got people dead, Epstein dead, Maxwell going to be dead. You got all kind of crap, just get the names out and let's see what happens. Seems like if you are sex trafficking young women and the people that did it, Epstein and Maxwell, go to jail for it, seems like the dudes that had the sex with the young women participated in the trafficking and, well, quite frankly, should go to jail as well. Hey, we'll be right back. We're going to talk some gambling with Dave Ross from Visit. I love Dave Ross. Dave Ross is a fantastic guest on this show. We'll be right back. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. You know, the world is interesting. The The world is fascinating. And Dave Ross of Vissen makes it even more fascinating. He just does. You know, one of the things that – I'm going to get your opinion on this. You're a smart guy. I'm okay. throwing you totally a curveball. I only throw curveballs to guys that can handle it. Did you see what Aaron Rodgers said yesterday about Kimmel? I'm playing it. I've been playing it. And I can't figure out what what Kimmel. I get why you'd be mad. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, there's nothing in there you could sue anybody about, is there?
0: Not. Look, I'm no lawyer, Dan. First and foremost, no way I would ever pass as somebody that could get through law school. But yeah, I, I kind of think I had this a similar reaction to you. I was like, wait a minute, put my family in danger, like. Like, if that was really happening, that's no laughing matter. But this feels like a, an attack to get you off my back. Like, I, I heard you say, and I mentioned this yesterday on social media, the only thing that I think Kimball's mad about is he's got pushback right? He's got a national platform every night to blast whoever he wants. I love comedy. I don't watch Kimmel's show. Not that, look, if you want to watch Kimmel's show, go ahead and watch. It's part of the deal. But now that Rogers has got a, an amplification on McAfee's show, that's what gets him mad? That all of a sudden somebody else could push back at you? Like, dude, that's the way this works. You come at me, you better expect a little pushback here and there if you've got any any salt, right? If you got any skin in the game, you're like, hey, you said this stuff about me tinfoil hat, all the stuff about. This is all stemming from COVID nineteen. This all goes back to that, and they're still mad about that. And so when Rogers sticks up for Rogers, all of a sudden they go, "Oh, you can't say that." No, no, no. He can say it. Say whatever he wants. That's part of having a platform. So I'm not going to get on Rogers. I'm not going to get on Kimmel. If they want to have this tit for tat and, and sort it out like men, go ahead. Have a conversation. You don't have to include us on on X on it. But I think that's what really pissed off Kimmel was. How dare Aaron Rodgers say something off-color on McAfee and they have a laugh at my expense when the whole time it's Kimmel that's always having a laugh at your expense.
1: That's exactly right. That, that, that is 1,010% how I look at it. Like, hey, man, you know what? Every night you bully Every night you get on somebody's ass – and I, I've had enough. All right. A lot of problems with college football. A lot of problems. I get it. Transfer portal came back. But I gotta tell you, the college football playoffs were pretty <laughs> damn good. From a gambler's perspective, from you know, Vincent is a gambler. What did Vegas get done? What did they not? How did it go for Vegas?
0: I I don't wanna speak for all of the books, but I think it went pretty well. Because you know how the general public normally goes, right? They're normally going to back the favorites. And obviously Texas was the biggest favorite out of, out of the two games on, on new year's day. The Bama one was the interesting game because Bama stayed as a point and a half, two point underdog. And I know a lot of people at, at visa along, you know, we're like, why hasn't this line moved to pick them? Why hasn't Bama flipped to the favorite? And it showed you that even with all the Bama money coming in, the Sharps out here in Vegas are like, nah, we're not going to move this thing. And i got to be honest with you, I liked Michigan all month. I didn't play it before the game started. The second Alabama went up 7-0, you know what I did, Dan? I hammered Michigan plus 4.5, and, and I hammered Michigan on the live number at plus $1.45, because then I got value. I finally got value in, in a game that I truly thought was a pick Hey, I didn't feel like a genius when Bama went up 7 late, I'll tell you that. And I thought, oh, man. I'm going to lose to Nick Saban. Shame on me. And then, of course, the great comeback drive by Michigan to tie it and then ultimately win it in overtime. That was one of those games I just didn't feel confident either way, and I think it showed it in the way Vegas did not move the line that I think even they showed some trepidation about moving that line to pick them. In the other game, the Texas game, yeah. Washington, they're always disrespected, right? It's the school that nobody still believes in. And I couldn't believe I was catching nine against Oregon out here in Vegas in the Pac-12 title game. I also played a money line that day, and I did the same thing here. And I went, I just think the wrong team is favored, and the Gen Pop here, general public, they're going to go, I'm going to back Texas. It's Matthew McConaughey. Hook em. We're back. Washington's damn good. And I, I wonder when we get to next Monday night, when you're seeing Michigan five-point favorites here again, I love Harbs. I've been rooting for Michigan. Man, if you gave me truth serum, Dan, and you made me wager this, which I have not yet, I'd be on the side of the Huskies catching the five. I still think the general public does not respect how physical a brand of football Washington can play. You know, it's interesting. I, I,
1: I, I agree with you. I didn't necessarily – I didn't bet any of it with Washington uh, when they played Oregon, but I I saw that and I thought that was funny. And one of the things, does this NFL guys always tell me I bet the quarterback? I got to tell you, man, hard to bet against Michael Penix getting points. He's
0: been so damn good. Oh man, does does he look like a pro or what? I I was sitting there watching the game. And I, I'm kind of a geek, Dan, with some of this stuff. And, you know, I go back to early 2000s, you know, growing up in Virginia and going to Virginia Tech games and watching some guy named Michael Vick play. And, you know, I, I remember telling then buddies of mine that I work with at Fox, I said, he's going to be the number one pick in the draft. And they go, you're crazy. And I go, no, no, no. There will be scouts that salivate over this type of arm talent, and then you mix it in with the running. Now, Penix can't do that. Penix is not – let's not get this confused. He's not Michael Vick. It's uh, certainly not to a tongue of Iloa Those lazy left-handed comparisons are going to get made, but that arm talent and Vic had it. Vic had elite arm talent, but he had the the legs to go with it that we had never really seen before since the Steve Young in the '90s. I look at Penix and I go, okay, 6'3, that's one knock against him because you like your quarterbacks a little bit, a little bit bigger, 6'4, six, 6'5. Six, I remember the Robert Griffin the third days being in DC. Uh, maybe he's a little bit too small at 6'2 and a quarter. I mean, that's the dog and pony show that you know in Indianapolis so well that they'll go through it. But the arm talent of Michael Penix is elite, and you can't teach that. You can't, you can't teach those, those window throws that he made against Texas. Texas's defense wasn't as bad. As maybe the stats would show, he made some high-level NFL throws that actually NFL coaches would tell you not to throw it. But Penix, like Favre, believes in his arm talent so much that he thinks he can throw it through a brick wall. It'll get him in some trouble in the NFL, but I got to think Michael Penix made the biggest jump on draft boards by what everybody saw. And if he does it against a Michigan defense that everybody respects out there in college football, and they got one of the elite corners in college football as well. If he's able to do that on Monday night in Houston, I, look, I know that it's going to be Caleb Williams' number one, but whoever gets the consolation prize, it could be Michael Penix. I think they're going to be pretty happy, kind of like what we saw last year with C.J. Stroud, and uh, certainly what we saw uh, with the number one pick with Carolina, all of a sudden Bryce Young. Sometimes having that second pick, third quarterback pick, isn't as bad as people think.
1: You know, I want to go back to what you said about Stroud. If you remember last year, Stroud's biggest game was against Georgia. He was fantastic. Uh, And, and, you know, all year, Stroud, good. Next thing you know, man, he puts on a Penix. And then all of a sudden, to your point, he's the second pick, but he's clearly the best rookie quarterback and maybe one of the best quarterbacks in the league. You know this is a copycat deal, right? This is all copycat I'm telling you, I'm watching Penix and I'm saying, huh, why would Caleb Williams, with all the crap that he went through this year, why would I want him more so than Penix? And I got to tell you, I'm not sure I have the answer to that.
0: No, it's a hard one. And again, the Stroud comparison is great in that there were a lot of doubts about Stroud. Then against Georgia, in a game they lose, but Stroud is amazing against the best, like a historically great defense that Georgia had the last couple of years in route to back-to-back national championships. And then you go, well, does that translate? Of course that translates because now you're seeing it against elite competition against guys that are all playing on Sundays from those Georgia defenses the last couple of years. So I don't know why it's such a shock to the system now to see CJ Stroud gasp, doing what he's doing because he's an Ohio state quarterback and there's a stigma with Ohio state quarterbacks because their track record isn't great in the NFL. I think CJ Stroud kind of threw that narrative and put it away. I hope forever, like let's judge these guys individually. And I think that's the same thing with Michael Penix. That was a really good defense against Texas that he did it against and a better defense. He's going to face on Monday night. So to me, this is better than Indianapolis. This is better than the private workout that you're going to put on before the draft. Before they can do all the measurables and see you, uh, you know, in gym shorts and in in t-shirts. Like this is the resume builder. Stroud did it last year. Penix is doing it this year. Caleb's got all the talent in the world. I still think he'll be the number one quarterback that's taken uh and number one overall. But other teams are gonna have really good decisions to, to get to. I'm not I'm not sure this is gonna be as good as the 83 quarterback draft, which is historically looked at as the best, Dan. But I gotta tell you, man. I'd be surprised if five quarterbacks potentially don't go – forget about the first round. They can go in the top ten. That's how deep this quarterback draft is. All right, let me go through them. Knicks, Williams, Stroud. Who am I missing? Uh, Maybe Drake May out of UNC and maybe Jaden Daniels out of LSU. I mean, there's five quarterbacks right off the top that just jump off the page at you. So, there are going to be a lot of decisions. I don't know that five will get there in the first ten. But that over-under in Vegas, I got to think it's going to be set around five and a half for quarterbacks in the first round. So I think those first five right there are locks to go uh, in the first round overall. Yeah, yeah,
1: no, I know. I I, it, I forgot about Drake May. Hell, people love Drake May, and I'd take Jaden yeah. Daniels. I don't give a crap. I'd I put some meat on him and let's go. Penix was here at Indiana along with Caleb DeBoer, Kalen DeBoer. Oh, man. And we chose Tom frickin' Allen, and I'm watching these guys, and I'm losing my mind going, crap, we could be having
0: some fun here with Indiana football for the first time ever. Crap. Well, I got to I gotta say, Dan, uh, my co-host on the look at on Vison and shameless plug is Wes Reynolds, Mr. Indiana. Oh, right? yeah. And I know you're Mr. Yeah. Indiana. And it, it bothers Wes to this day because, like, we had those guys at IU. But, look, you know, you, you got a really good first year with Tom Allen. Ironically, because you had Michael Penix, right? And then all of a sudden, Penix transfers out, and we see what he became. I, I looked at Penix last year at Washington when they came up with a bit short in the Pac-12, and I went, "Oh, this guy, this guy is legit." And I feel bad for East Coasters because they didn't get to see him Pac-12 after dark. And I'm not sure if you had to work yesterday morning that you still got to see Michael Penix on the East Coast. How, how late that game ended, uh, but that 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 is. Arm elite, that is elite arm talent that you're seeing by Michael Penix. And one other thing, Dan, and look, I'm not one of those get-off-my-lawn guys when it comes to expansion in college football. It's here. There's nothing I can do about it, nothing you can do about it. Anybody can do about it. It's here. But if you didn't think that the committee, one, got it right, and two, you didn't see the best display of two games on a national semifinal, I've said this every year, Dan, they've never gotten it wrong. Since the inception of the college football playoff, which is over a decade, we've never had a debate after the games were played as to who the best team is. Uh, Never. They've gotten it right every single year. By hook or by crook, you can throw in Georgia if you want to make that argument this year. FSU, okay, I'll still hear it, but... Not to say the 63 to three took a, if that doesn't take a little bit of the luster off of the argument, then you just, you, the game wasn't, it didn't matter. It was independent of the result. But to me, the college football playoff, the hard is what makes it good to get in. And now everybody's in, man. I mean, like, we're going to 12? We're just going four to twelve. I mean, there's no debates anymore. What made college football great week in and week out is that everybody cared about every single game. That won't be true. The discussions now are gonna be two and three lost teams. That's where we're gonna be. Like this is gonna be like entry every year. Got a pulse in. If you're Alabama, if you're Georgia, you know, the, the big boys, Ohio State, this just this grandfather clauses them in, even if they lose to Michigan every year. That's what this did. This didn't help the little guy. It helped the big guy that got left out. But yet, everybody wants more because they always think more is better. I don't think it is. I think it's going to water down that process in the regular season because I really thought, as bad as the bowl games were, the national semifinals were great. And it showed that the committee once again, Got it right. And I know people hate to hear that.
1: No, I agree with you. And the one pushback I'll give you in college basketball, I think there's 33 at large bids or 33 conferences, and then there's 35 at large bids. We argue about the 36 team in college basketball. So I think there, look, I think there's going to be arguments, maybe not the first year, but I think there's going to be arguments about Team 13. I think we're going to bitch, whine, and moan. About somebody that didn't get in, and particularly like a Mac school that goes undefeated or oh something. God. I'm telling you, Dave, Liberty I swear to God, we're going to see it.
0: Yeah, Liberty, like, you, you can go back. And, you know, like, I know you like, I remember Colt Brennan got rest of soul at Hawaii, covered him in, in, in DC. And I remember thinking, remember they played Georgia that year that Hawaii was undefeated. And we went, wow, like, Hawaii is really good. And then Georgia just, whoosh, slapped them up and down. Like we saw Liberty against Oregon in the game. Oregon had no like Oregon. What do they care if they beat Liberty? They beat the tar out of those guys. So to me, it's like, we're going to get some of that. When you get to the college football expanded version, you don't get that when you just have the best four in. And I'm telling you, man, they're, they're ruining a great thing. They don't see it because money drives it. I understand it. I'm still going to love it. I'm still going to watch but it's not going to be as good as we've seen. I Look, I was all four expansion away from the BCS. I thought they had it perfectly right with four. If you wanted to go to six, I could have entertained that idea. Twelve is way too much. It's going to water down the product, period. You know, and the thing that I hope,
1: and I think it's going to to your point, one greatest thing about co- you can watch a college basketball game, and, I mean, it's almost become like the NBA, right? I mean – you go eight and ten in the Big Ten, and you're going to get in the NCAA tournament. Uh, you watch college basketball game, you lose a game. It's amazing. You know, it used to be like if you went ten and one, that's a great year. Now you go eleven and one, Ryan Day, until the bowl game, and you're like, you suck. Eleven and one as a coach guy. in any sport will get you in every single Hall of Fame that there is. Every Hall of Fame, you go eleven and one, yeah. you're in every Hall of Fame. I-
0: Dan, I got to tell you, the, the, the one thing for me, the, the personal change in my life that I never thought that I would see. I mean, I loved Big East basketball growing up. I used to watch it on USA Network, right? And I'd you know, watch yeah. Boston College against Syracuse and, and the formation of the Big East. I got to be blunt with you, Dan. I don't watch a lot of regular season college hoops anymore because I know. The, it, it just doesn't matter. It does not matter until you get to February and then you get a com- conference tournament time. And really, it's like, I hate to say it, I feel like a casual with that. And I was anything but growing up. I mean, I would live and die with that first Big East game, Georgetown, Sierra, whoever it was. And now that it, it just doesn't matter. And I, I fear that college football, with the importance of every week from week one, right, there was just m- Penn State, whoever they put the first Ohio State game, whatever, you knew the ramifications of what a September game meant. Now – it's just not going to mean the same. It, and it's not that the kids won't try as hard. The coaches aren't going to coach any less hard. It's just that it's not going to matter as much to the final equation. The shame of it is the game. Michigan-Ohio State kind of was a de facto one team's in and one team's out. Now, both teams in. And that will take away a little bit of the luster that we see week in, week out. And we've seen it with the expansion of college basketball. Look, I'm old enough to remember when I was at 48. I was fine at 64. We got 68 now. I still watch it. I still love the tournament, but it is hard for me to get as excited about a January game because I know really at the end of the day, it's not going to matter. Once we get to March.
1: I agree. I, I totally agree. Hey, thanks for coming on Dave. I appreciate you, my friend. Thank you.
0: Anytime Dan.
1: Hey, when we come back, we've got Tim Brando joining us. We're going to continue the college football discussion. We'll be right back. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. The great Tim Brando joins us live from Villanova. It's going to be Raf and Brando tonight. Villanova, any good in hoops?
3: Are they good? Whatever. Yeah, yeah they're, they're getting better. Um, Kyle Neptune went through a tough uh, November and early December, but they kind of got it together in the UCLA game that Jimmy Jackson and I had back on December the 10th. They've played really well since then. And um, and they've done it without Justin Moore. You know, he got hurt again, uh, has been out for three weeks, and they've been playing well without him, which I think bodes well um, for them, Dan, when, when he does return. And I believe he will. Uh, it won't be tonight, I don't think. But um, when he does get back, that, that just means they're going to be better. Longino, the kid that's been playing for him, has also had injury problems since he came in, and he's played well. And um, Hassan, the sharpshooter that they uh, got out of the transfer portal, has had his moments. So I, I think they're going to be fine. Eric Dixon has been lights out uh, as an inside-outside force as a as a post presence for them. Even though he's undersized, uh, he's been knocking down some shots. You know, he can go for 30 on a given night uh, if his face-up three-pointers are falling. So Villanova's beginning to look like Villanova again. And uh, this will be a test because Xavier's also improving. Sean's a great coach, as you know, Sean Miller, but he's got a collection of newbies on this team, and he's lacking that inside presence that he had in the past uh, a season ago. But um, this will be an interesting test because they've got St. John's coming in, and Patino, as you know, is is getting it rolling It in uh, – in Queens. Uh, they played well last night in their win against a, uh, you know, not a good Butler team, but still it was a good solid win for them. And uh, that'll be a fun one on Saturday that um, Donnie Marshall and I'll have. So I've got the next two games at Villanova.
1: Hey, uh, I got to get into some football here. We just were talking yeah. about a couple of things. One, I don't know where you're at on this. I'm curious uh, whether people agree Florida State, whatever. The games were great, and that's all I really care yeah. about personally. Where are you at with a 12
3: team yeah. playoff? Oh, it's obviously going to be great. I cannot wait for it. Uh, I think it's just going to add so much, not only to the postseason, uh, with greater access for so many more teams and fans. You know, there'll be more interest across the board in college football's postseason when we have uh, all corners of the country involved. And I think this was one of those years, um, and the Florida State dilemma is proof of that, that we really did need more than four. I mean, we really did. You can make a case that there were eight teams this year that had legitimate chances uh, to win it all if we'd had a legitimate playoff format. I don't know that 12 uh, would have had a chance, although if you'd asked me back in late October, I would have said probably twelve. But it'll be so much fun, uh, Dan, and I think it's what the sport has needed for a long, long time. Um, I always looked at college basketball as so refreshing for me because at the end of football, I was always pissed off. I was always unhappy with the way the postseason was going to play out. The regular season was great. Postseason was awful. And I, didn't, I just didn't like the process. I agreed that the matchups were great matchups. And we got what we wanted in terms of, you know, exciting and New Year's Day football. I mean, we did. But what happened to Florida State was beyond the pale. I mean, it was wrong. And it was the process uh, that was wrong, not necessarily the fact that they, they, they put Alabama in uh, to take on Michigan, but because the process was what it was, was the issue for me. Um, I think what we're going to find out next year when we go to 12 is that television is going to say to the committee, because the, the new TV deal doesn't start until 26, that's being negotiated right now. OK, TV's going to tell them if you're sitting those top four teams, you know, the first week of the postseason, you're making a mistake. We need more inventory. If you want the money that you want and you're asking for somewhere around 50 million per game, you're going to need to have those four teams, those top four teams playing at home on campus in that opening week. I think we're going to go to 16 and I'm, I'm OK with that, too. I, I think 16 is perfect. I don't think we would need to make any changes. Uh, if we went to 16, and I think that's probably what will happen in 26. Uh, who are you like in the national championship game? I like Washington. Uh, I loved Washington against Texas because I just thought from a matchup standpoint, their strength was the passing game, and Texas's weakness was their defense of the pass. I had had Texas earlier in the year. Uh, in a game with Houston, where they they were just absolutely <laughs> uh, giving up all kinds of yardage to just an OK team that fired its coach at the end, at the end of the season, Dana Holgerson, and so I, I knew Texas's problem would be in the secondary, and Washington was able to exploit that. Um, it, I give Texas a lot of credit for hanging in there and and making it close at the end with the help of a, a bad rule that needs to be taken out and really some a uh, shoddy clock management by Kalen DeBoer's club, uh, even though he's a great coach and he is, I think Kalen's one of the fine young coaches in America today. They they made some errors there in play calling late in the game to make that thing a little closer than it needed to be before uh, the running back got hurt, which forced the clock to stop and give Texas ample time to get down the field. But 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 Washington's just too lethal in the passing game. Penix is the best deep ball thrower I think I've ever seen in college. And he's 24 years old. He's been around, you know. um, You remember that, his days in Indiana. And Caleb spent that time watching him develop and then brought him in, and it made a huge difference. But in McMillan and in Polk, uh, who's from Lufkin, Texas, by the way, uh, Friday Night Lights kid, who's just outstanding, a transfer, to go along with – Odunze, you're talking about the three best receivers in college football. I mean, that group is as good as Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson were at LSU for Burrow back in 2019. So I think they're going to give Michigan a real hard time with their passing game. They don't really need to run the football particularly well uh, to win. Uh, And their defense, even though they give up a lot of yards, um, I'm going to use a basketball analogy on you, Dan. You'll love this. Points per possession. Uh, If you make it a game of possessions, and I think Washington will, their defense is so good in the red zone. You saw at the end of that game, and I think it was actually a good thing, that they had to make a play on defense to close that game out because they're good at that. They've got two tremendous rush-ins. Traylon Brace, uh, the outstanding uh, defensive end that was the defensive MVP of the game, he's just hard to stop. I mean, uh, he's a Jason Taylor kind of defensive end. Uh, he'll get you tackles for losses and sacks when you need them. Uh, and they just hold teams to three when you get inside the 20. Uh, Michigan will the, – the ultimate contrast in styles is perfect too because Michigan wants to play in a phone booth. You know, they want to run the damn ball, okay? They're going to run it, and they're going to run it until you stop it. And they're going to try to possess the ball and keep it away from Washington. Washington's going to try to beat you with dynamic plays and turn it into a, uh, you know, a track meet. And I think that that push-pull thing will be a lot of fun to watch. But ultimately, I think there are more playmakers for the Huskies. So I think Washington's gonna win.
1: Yeah, you brought up Penix. I mean, we're sitting here with Caleb DeBoer and Penix <laughs> in the in the Hoosier land, and now you're watching them. I and yeah, I gotta tell you, my wife's my wife said this. My wife is a uh, all-time winning softball coach at Bowling Green, Syracuse. She was an All-American, and she has an insight. That, I, I, that very few people have, and she saw Penix, and she goes, man, because that dude has a snap to his ball like a second baseman turning a double play, and I, I yeah, couldn't stop yeah. watching that, Tim. It was like, fam! You know what I mean? Yeah. I, and he, I, I, when he was in Indiana, he was skinny. He was like pain, yeah. and, and he kept getting hurt. Now, as you said, mm-hmm. 24 years old, man, that's older than a lot of these quarterbacks in the NFL. He, he should be good, yeah. I
3: guess. Yeah, you know, um, and he doesn't look like he can – he doesn't want to run, but if he has to run, he can. And I think the reason yes. why he doesn't like to run, he doesn't like to run as much because it got him hurt. It got him hurt in the Right. Okay. So right. he doesn't want to run, and I, and I get that. But but yeah, he is a much more physically gifted kid. A little bit like the kid that uh, transferred from Arizona State, to LSU, and won the Heisman. Uh, Jaden uh, Daniels, uh, Daniels was a skinny kid, and I saw him go in as a freshman at Michigan State and single-handedly beat the Spartans, and uh, probably what was his biggest win at Arizona State for Herman Edwards uh, a few years back. He's a different kid now. He's filled out. He's still slender because he's tall. So is so is Penix tall, but to your point, he when he throws the ball, and I've been on the sidelines at practice watching him throw. He it, it's like a I don't yeah. know if you can hear that, but that's what it sounds like. It's like yes. Warren Moon. I, Spencer Tillman Spencer Tillman told me when he played with Warren Moon that he had never heard a football sound like that when it was being thrown <laughs> from a quarterback. You know, like. You know, like in the just never throws a bad pass. And you saw him throw passes, I mean long passes. He hit ten elite NFL throws that caught his receivers right where the ball had to be in that game. I don't know why the NFL Scouts maybe it was because of the injuries, maybe it's because he's um, he's left handed. I don't know, but his stock had to go way, way up in the draft after that performance the other night.
1: Had to. Like, I'm sitting there watching going, man, I know Caleb Williams is the guy. I just had this conversation with the guy, but I, I like the way he handles himself. I don't give a damn if yeah. he's 24. This isn't the NBA where I want 18 year olds. Yeah. Who cares? I want a smart, yeah. experienced guy, Tim, don't I, in the NFL?
3: Yeah, and he's understated. You know, he's, uh, he doesn't seek a lot of attention. Uh, which I think runs contrary to what we normally see in today's younger players. That, yes. that uh, and at, at the risk of sounding like a hypocrite, because as broadcasters go, I'm probably considered more self-promoting than most. <laughs> but, but that's Me just kind of who I am. I can't, I can't help it. It's kind of who I am. I was raised that way. My father was in the entertainment and television business, so I was raised that way. But but he is an understated kid who sort of speaks when spoken to. You know, and, and I think that that really bodes well for him when he's going to be going into a, a locker room for the first time at the next level. It certainly has helped him with all these transfers that have come in, uh, and his relationship with those wide receivers has been huge. I mean, huge, and, and it's a little bit like Burrow. I think his, uh, he's got a quiet cockiness about him that makes him really solid, and if you've ever been around Joe – that's the kind of uh, personality Burrow has, you know, and what what other players on the team identify with guys that are like that, okay, that can blend into a room where he kind of lets the, the the wide receivers, the divas, if you will, you know, give me the ball, give me the ball. Right, I'll get you the ball. Just uh, hang on. You know, you're going to get yours. That's the kind of kid he is.
1: Hey, uh, last thing before I let you go, Harbaugh, this tire, next year, August, NFL or Kyle, or Michigan?
3: Oh, there's part of me that really wants him to stay, don't you? Wouldn't you love to see him stay in yeah. Michigan? Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and I love, I love his interviews. His interviews are so good because they're asking him everything possible to get him to go there and he's very uh, in a very coy manner never giving them what they want but being so kind to them it with non answers <laughs> just, It's like well so tell us about the problem the issues off the field and how it's galvanized well you know my my guys <laughs> it's just been it's yeah, been superb yeah. to watch it really has uh, a lesson i think really to a lot of coaches in how to deal with uh, distress and being uh, the focal point of controversy is to watch him handle it. I don't know if he sought uh, some um, some media coaching from someone or not. But if not, it, it, his quirky personality has carried him through. I mean, it really has. Uh, you know, I gave him some heat a few years ago uh, about the depth chart situation. When I went in to do a game uh, for the um, Little Brown Jug with Minnesota, and I thought, you know, we're trying to prepare to do a game. What is it with this depth chart stuff? And, I, and we got into a little Twitter battle about it. Uh, and he called on the Michigan fans, a little bit like um, uh, fans of Beyonce. If you said something negative about one of her concerts, you know, the killer bees would just, you know, they would just come out and get you. He called on some Michigan fans to get on my case, and they did. We We talked it out, and I'm going to tell you something, Dan. And this was after I'd given him a hard time about the depth chart. He sat with Spencer Tillman and me for over an hour going over in our meeting, who he was going to play and giving us nuggets on literally every offensive player. Offensive lineman, too deep. If we lose the guard, we're going uh, we'll bring the tackle over from the left side that's the backup to play that guard position. all that. I mean he could not have been uh, he just didn't want anyone to know in advance. It was more of a, um, I don't want to put it out there and give my players a, a, a view that's, he, he knew that the players would look in social media and see what the depth chart looked like. And he didn't, he was sensitive to that. And so we talked about it out, and it was fine. But um, he's been, he's been outstanding. I hope he stays. I mean, I really do. They've offered him the moon. But when, when the NCAA is out to get you, and you know this, when the NCAA is out to get you the way it appears they are out to get him, I don't know. If if you win the whole thing, what's the purpose? You know, why go through that? Um, if, if the jobs that I hear are available to him, come his way in the NFL, knowing his relationship with his brother John, I, I could see the potential of him leaving. Uh, and leaving, you know, if he happens to win the game, you know, leaving – uh, with his hands held high and feeling good and euphoric about what he did. But my guess is he'll be in the, the National Football League. But I, I really would like to see him. Yeah. That. I really would. I would, too. I, I would, too. Tim,
1: thanks, man. I'm going to watch tonight. Can't wait. Xavier and Villanova live
3: from Philadelphia.
1: Thanks, my friend.
3: Yeah, you bet. Anytime, Dan. It's always a pleasure being on with you, and happy New Year.
1: Happy New Year to you as well. Raff and Brando, what a show. Now we're talking. Now we got some gravitas in a game. Holy hell, instead of some of these guys that put me to sleep, I need Raff, man to man, and Brando, the Iron Unkind. Yeah. Man, if I got to watch another guy put me to sleep, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't want to be put to sleep. I want to watch me some ball. I want to... I don't know. You know, I mean, basketball is fun. Sports are fun. And as an announcer, if you're not having fun sitting there courtside calling a game, I don't know what to tell you. And Raph and Timmy B, they have fun. And that is what in the Sam hell you are supposed to do. Period. Don't at me about it, people. Do not at me. Hey, by the way, you like this gear? This is the most comfortable sweatshirt ever. The only one more comfortable is the one I wore all day yesterday, OutKick, Go Woke, Go Broke. They're so comfortable. I can wear this crap every day, and it's not crap. I know I shouldn't say crap, but you know what I'm saying. It's not like I'm dressed up. I would wear this like it's my job. This stuff, I wore that shirt yesterday. That's unbelievable. Thin. You want to golf in it? The hats are fantastic. Most likely to yell... a referee and then of course all the other gear toxic masculinity is hot now I'm not gonna lie I didn't wear it as well as Charlie did but still you know the women were falling all over me when I wore it. but this sweatshirt this hoodie is incredible I'm not gonna hey look I'm hard to fit and even my wife said wow I gotta know I'm wearing this stuff every day on the show Go to the OutKick store. We need to get some Don't At Me gear. Sack up right across. What are we doing? Quit jagassing around, will you please? And I hope you're enjoying the show. We're going to get this internet fixed right after the show. All right. Here's the deal. You ready? Yeah, let's talk about some what-in-the-hell Wednesdays. I love what the hell Wednesday. A filthy AI Santa wanted to sex with you. You've been very naughty this year. A.I. Santa, I don't know what is going on here with A.I. I I don't get it. Like, I like my people real. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I do. I don't, I don't get all this. So, a Santa wants to sext with you. Santa isn't the only one coming soon. Festival deviants can now flirt with Father Christmas or one of his naughty elves on the erotic auto app Bloom. Chat and auto message capabilities. When it comes to sexual content, we all have unique and specific desires that want to be fulfilled, said Hannah Elberthauser, the platform's co-founder. It's a festive character. If a festive character is what somebody needs to get them in the mood for the holidays, Bloom is here. That's right. We got all kind of sex going on. Naughty and nice rip Santa assembly can help keep you warm in more ways than one. I'll make sure you stay nice and toasty during the winter months. This is all really stupid. Look, it costs $7.99 a month. People are going to do it. I've just promoted it. There are, I guess, hot cartoon characters, both men and women. There's a lot of lonely people out here. That's all I can come to. There's just a lot of lonely people. Like, if I got to go to AI to get me through Christmas, what in the hell are we doing? Like, I I, I, yeah, I don't get it. I, I, I don't get it. And look, I didn't understand 900 numbers. I watch TV at night. There's this thing called Quest. Call me. We'll party. Jesus. Hey, I'm a professional eater. I can devour 100 dumplings in 10 minutes and 17 pounds of steak in an hour and guess what? That's not Joey Chestnut. No. That's a woman. That's a woman. She's going with 100 dumplings in 10 minutes. Now, I'm no math major, but that's 10 a minute. That's one every six seconds. Rihanna Hung can scoff 100 plates of sushi in 35 minutes and devour 100 dumplings. She's pretty, too. She's pretty. She's got the nice fake re-rack going. Uh, she has more than four million followers on TikTok and YouTube. She said, I just eaten a lot and fast all my life and it's become easy. It stems, listen to this. It stems from video games, this busty beauty says. I just wanted to eat fast so I could go back to my game. She likes to eat Mexican fast, which makes, well, which makes me think she likes things coming out fast because when you eat Mexican fast, you know, Uh, A food challenge in Taiwan, she ate 17 pounds of steak in 17 minutes. There you go. All right. Yeah, I don't know what to tell you. I once won a rib eating contest where for 10 minutes I ate a rib every 10 seconds. It wasn't bad. I'm not mad at it. But I can eat more than And then on the way home, I stopped and got a big McFlurry. Uh, I'm not doing that kind of thing now. I'm getting ready for the new year. I'm going dry January. uh, And I am going with my 8,628th diet of my life. Baked beans, recalled, because there may be, wait for it, baked beans, there may be rubber balls in the can. Now, come on, people. This is what scares me. You want to know what scares me? It's not global warming. It's not crime. It's contaminated food sources. That's right. Contaminated water. Contaminated food. That, ladies and gentlemen, scares me. The balls are 2.5 centimeters in diameter, and shockingly, they are a wait for it, choking hazard. Asda Stainberries and Tesco. Yeah, this is in Canada. Asian baked beans and tomato sauce, or ASDA. ASDA mixed baked beans salad. Tesco. Check your baked beans, people. Anybody that knows me knows I like a good baked bean. Anybody that knows me knows I ain't afraid to put everything in it. Ketchup and mustard. You know, I like it with bacon. You name it, I like baked beans. I can eat baked beans. Danny ate the beans and the beans were loaded. Danny ate the beans and the beans exploded. That's right. That's right. Uh, I'm head over heels, wait for it, with an oak tree. But it isn't about the sex. Really? Uh, An eco-sexual woman, which means she's in love with ecology. She is a self-proclaimed eco-sexual. She took nature to, nature-loving nature to the extreme. Sonia Sadamanova says there is an eroticism with something so big, so old, holding my back. Man, eco-sexual is a person that finds nature romantic, sensual, and sexy, and imagines, guess what? Earth as their lover. All right. The self-intimacy guide and psoranomic sex educator in training first started having, well, pining for plants after she moved to Vancouver. I was walking a path near a tree five days for a whole winter. I noticed a connection with the tree. I would lie against it. And you people are just weird. I'm sorry, you're just weird. I mean, look, I get it. You're a weirdo. You got the belly. You got the whole thing going. You can't get a dude. You're tired of men. And I don't know what you stick in there from the tree. I mean, who knows? A lot of things you can stick in the orifices from a tree, but damn, that seems like dirty business. Although maybe you don't get a sexually transmitted disease, which are running rampant apparently across Uh, Now, speaking of sticking things in places they don't belong, you ready for this one? A Florida man was caught humping a dog and attacked the owner. So a guy's humping a dog. He's giving a dog the business. And next thing you know, the owner says, hey, pal, stop humping my dog. Like, you don't need to hump the dog. Go get yourself a plastic dog. Go get yourself a tree. You can hump the tree. There's all kind of different holes in a tree. This is in Milton, Florida. He was arrested after a fight that allegedly started when the man was caught humping someone's dog. He's charged with, listen to this, domestic violence, battery, domestic violence, aggravated assault, and criminal mischief. He was caught humping a dog and the owner confronted him. This guy's name is John Miller. No, not the broadcaster. Miller attacked him, punched him in the head and upper body, leaving marks. The victim said Miller destroyed items in the house and the garage. Miller grabbed a knife, threatening to kill him. Miller has been released on a $7,000 bond. Doesn't that seem a little low? I'd give you 7K for humping the dog, and then you're throwing hands, grabbing knives, threatening people's lives. I'd tack on another 70K to that. I'm going 77K. $7,000 bond, all you got to do is come up with 700 bucks, and you're out. What are you, nuts? People, can we not be humping dogs? I mean, seriously. It's just tiring. And it's always in Florida. I will say this. No one that has ever moved to Florida has regretted it, except for the dog humper. Uh, Rashad Mendenhall is doubling down on his idiotic racist rant about white people and the Pro Bowl. Iowa stinks. We'll go into what their numbers are in football. You're not going to believe the numbers against ranked teams. And Antonio Brown is back in the news, the gift that keeps on giving. We'll be right back. Stay here. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Hey, welcome back. What a monster we've had today. A lot of fun with Tim Brando. Hey, and Dave Ross from Vissant. Look, here's the deal. Uh, I'm tired of racism. Like, I'm just so tired of everybody blaming everybody else. White people this, white black people that, just shut up. I mean, treat people nice. Treat people the way they deserve to be treated, and let's go. Rashad Mendenhall is a former running back in the NFL, and apparently a white dude stripped him of the ball, Clay Matthews. In the Super Bowl, and a lot of people think it cost the Pittsburgh Steelers a Super Bowl. I don't know whether it did or not. Frankly, I was too busy getting my brains beat out as a coach at Bowling Green to pay attention to Super Bowls or anything else. However, Rashad Mendenhall now is a mouth. Rashad Mendenhall came out and said, I'm tired of middle aged or old white guys that never played talking. We should have a black versus white Pro Bowl. And white guys, we did what we do. We want to stay away from anything racial, we don't want to hang out in that space. So we let it go and made fun of it, led by J.J. Watt. Well, Mendenhall is at it again. He talked to noted racist and whiner Ryan Clark, and he's still, still angry at Whitey. Let's hear from Mendenhall.
2: How many times I'm going to wake up and take this? Like, I wasn't born no hoe. Like, how many times I'm going to wake up and just anybody playing with me? So that's why I said I'm sick of, and it was descriptive, average white. average white guys mm. that's what it seems to be it wasn't like, directed at a player at, a, at no, a white no 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 it's was it- it's just the amount of disrespect i see and i got descriptive of who i tend to see it from average white guys commenting re- like reflecting the comment section on not football but my career mm. my career what it was like i got two sons man they going to grow up in a world wear where number 34 jersey and people saying, your dad was sorry, your dad sucked, he lost it. It's like, no man, at the least in real football, like I had a good career, I played a good game and that was a moment. I had a good career, a really good career. And over the span of my life, I had a great career in football. The whole way through I was cold, commenting on football. And this is the part where it was wide and I was vague. I said, y'all not even good at football. I'm still speaking to who I'm talking to. Those average guys who don't play the game, y'all not even good at football. Like how you speak to me, and I've been excellent throughout my career and throughout my life, even through that moment, even through the fumble, even through Arizona to when I stopped. Y'all not even good at football. And the next line, before there's even that retort, it's like, for all the race I see, If black players reign supreme in this game, then maybe please, would I get you to stop saying shit to me? Is that enough for you to stop talking to me? To stop commenting at me? And at the end of it, I'm better than your goat. The only thing I'm saying is, whoever you envision as the best player, greatest player in the game, I'm that good. I'm that good. I'm not just talking about the NFL. I'm talking about through my whole life. I'm talking about through high school, through college. Whoever I'm that, I've given that much to football. And I'm not just talking about the NFL.
0: Yeah, who
2: cares? Yeah, you're
1: great. You fumbled in the Super Bowl, people are going to remember it. Quit whining. I mean, I turned the ball over a minute 18 to go against Virginia to go to the Final Four. People are mad at me. Quit whining. I mean, seriously, just quit whining. I mean, at some point, you know what? I mean, be a man. Walk like a man. Oh, white guys. I mean, I don't talk about black commentators in basketball putting me to sleep, do I? I mean, I don't talk about that's where the diversity all goes and say half the dudes on there can't tell you anything about a zone offense or zone defense. And they talk about young men and all that. I don't, I don't care. And white dudes do the same thing. I mean, who gives a rat's ass? I mean, that dude whining is just... A, and, and you know what? He went to the perfect source. Because Ryan Clark has the ability to look so serious and be so stupid. Nah, nah, enough. It doesn't matter. Black guys make fun of you too, I guarantee, but it's all right. It's always all right, right? I mean, didn't Jamil Hill say that white guys can't say thug to black guys? Well, I'm going to tell you right now. Next time somebody acts like a thug, I'm telling you right now, I am saying thug. Ryan Clark made it okay, I'm doing it. I don't give a damn what any of these fake-ass white guys or black guys on TV say. I don't care. If somebody acts like a damn thug, I'm calling out thug. And if a black guy's no good on a broadcast, I'm calling him out for being no good. Period. The, the window is open. <laughs> oh, man. Speaking of the window is open, nobody was open for Iowa. Nobody was open for Iowa against ranked teams. Iowa's offense is so bad that you literally cannot do worse than what I'm going to say about Iowa's point production against ranked teams. They did not score a single point (laughs) against a ranked team. Now, before your dumbass says, well, you could do worse because of yards. No, no, no. I said in terms of point production, zero. They played three ranked teams. They lost 92 to nothing. 31-zip Penn State. 26-zip Michigan. 35-zip Tennessee. 92 to nothing. Did not score. I got to tell you. Well, let's just use the race thing. They brought in some big white backup quarterback in the game against Tennessee. He looked pretty good for a while. And then and He did, which I'm not surprised. Because if you're the backup quarterback at Iowa, how bad are you? Like, you can blame Ferentz, the kid, all you want. But I got to ask you a question. Aren't the players on scholarship? Aren't they? I don't know. Seems like they are. Man, that was inept. They should go up to every player in Iowa that's on offense, hand out, give me your NIL money back. Give me your, here's the bill for your scholarship. No, no, no. We did not bring you to Iowa to go 92 to nothing against ranked teams. That's not why we brought you here. We win at Iowa. We don't embarrass ourselves. You did win, but not because of you on offense. Give me your scholarship back. Just give it to me. I want it back and I want it back now. And that Nil money, child please. And from now on, we're golden corraling it. That's it. We're golden, corral You know, I've always said, no good deed goes unpunished. Well, that's one of my mantras. Be careful what you wish for. Sack up. No good deed goes unpunished. Tom Brady, back in the day, took Antonio Brown in. Antonio Brown, a wayward soul, nowhere to live when he came to Tampa Bay. Tom Brady said, hey, hey, come on, I'm all about winning. Well, Antonio Brown apparently didn't respect it. Ask anyone, Brown said, if Brady is selfish. Bro wants stats too. You think he like Peyton Manning, or you think he didn't play longer than Drew Brees to pat his stats, okay? I'm going to let the crackers, white guys, think it's me when I'm coming off the bench to help his team win. Idiots. That dude got into college. Hey, Siri, where'd Antonio Brown go to college? Uh Yeah, well, Central Michigan. That makes sense. (laughs) Dummies Northern Retreat. Ask anyone if Tom Brady is selfish, bro, wants stats too. You think he liked Peyton Manning, or you think – Peyton Manning was misspelled – or you think he didn't play longer than Drew Breers to pad his stats, okay? I'm going to let the Crackers, me, think it's me when I'm coming off the bench to help his team win. Crackers unite. That dude do don't even know why white dudes are called crackers. How you gon' save a guy' career who dominated the game his whole career? A B, this is A B talking. Took himself out the game. I ain't buying that. S, you selling? You sound like a cracker, trying to make it seem like you did so much for me whole time you use me for your purpose. Once fulfilled, just like a cracker say you're done. <laughs> Antonio Brown was responding to a fan who claimed Brady saved Brown's career. He did. Nobody was touching Brown. Nobody. But us crackers, it's always us crackers' fault. Yes, us crackers, by the way, I prefer club or Ritz. I don't know what you prefer, but everything tastes great that sits on a Ritz, but I'm just a cracker. Hello, fellow crackers. <laughs> Antonio Brown is an idiot. I mean, There's no other way to say it. He's a wife-beating idiot. He is a racist wife-beating idiot. He is a moronic wife beating racist idiot I can go on and he should be and will be discounted by us except the content is so good how you gonna save a guy career this man went to college there is actually probably somebody out there that did not get into Central Michigan somehow some way somewhere but this guy did. How you going to save a guy career who dominated the game his whole career? A.B., which is him, took his self out the game. His self out the game. I ain't buying that is you selling. You sound like a cracker trying to make it seem like you did so much for me whole time. You did so much for me whole time. You using me for your purpose, once fulfilled just like a cracker, say you done. I like emphasizing cracker. I sound like preacher man. (laughs) Y'all crackers are crazy. You cracker. (laughs) Bill Belichick says, hey, look, I'm focused on the Jets, not my job security. What did you think Bill Belichick was going to say? You know, since this is my last game, I just want to tell you all goodbye. I've brought gifts. That's what Chuck Pagano did. He brought gifts to the non-crackers, Stephen Holder and uh, Mike Wells. (laughs) He didn't give to the crackers, Chuck Pagano. And apparently... Bill Belichick is not giving anything to anybody. He's just saying, well, you know, I'm concentrating on the Jets. I'm going to try to beat the Jets, and that's what we're going to do. And if we can beat the Jets, then I feel like we'll beat the Jets. And I even have a hoodie. Don't I look like Belichick? I think I do. Sean McVay makes a promise that he'll coach in 2024. All right. Apparently, Sean McVay is a hot commodity in the world of TV. Here's the deal with the world of TV. Didn't Tom Brady sign like a 10-year, dollars contract? Like, I look, I know Greg Olson is on my television, and I know he's the nicest guy in the world, and I know every media guy loves him, but he ain't great. Kevin Burkhart and they ain't great. It's like I was listening the other day, and I went, well, why are these two guys on a big game? And then I realized, and then you read awful announcing the liberal side or any of these announcing sides, and, Kevin, Greg Olson's great. No, he's really not. No, no, no. He's really not. So the truth of the matter is just if McVay goes into broadcasting, I would consider him smart. I would consider him a guy that made a wise choice because he'll get a ton of money. There's lots of money in co- or pro football announcing. There just is. And he would be apparently a hot commodity. But he promises the coach next year. Boy, are we relieved. Thank goodness. They are putting retirement at rest. All right. I would. Look, if Donald leaves, Stafford leaves, couple years from now, you may be out of a job. Seriously, I know you want a Super Bowl, and that's like a lifetime guarantee unless you're Brian Billick uh, or, Dick, or Mike Ditka. Hell, Mike Ditka got fired in Chicago. You know the saying, if they cut Peyton Manning in Indy and fired Bob Knight at Indiana, they'll cut your ass and they'll fire your ass. So maybe McVay is just being really, really smart here. I think he is. Larry Brown's the smartest coach ever. Get out ahead of the posse. Do yourself a favor one day. And if you're bored and you want to know what real coaching is, real coaching involves X's and O's, involves recruiting, whatever. But it also involves in managing your career, and that's where I was bad. But long story short, Larry Brown wasn't. Larry Brown was great, and Sean McVay going to the booth might be the smartest thing that he can do. Just saying. Look, white guy... You ain't getting hired in the NFL much anymore. Get out while the getting's good. Hey, 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 it's Woke-A-Dope time. Did I tell you we had a bad night last night? Thank God for the Golden State Warriors. I'll tell you when the sack attack kills it, and I'll tell you when he does it. Tough night last night. It's all right. We'll be back on it today. All right, Woke-A-Dope-Me, por favor. What do we got going on today? I want to see it. Boca-do okay, no plagiarism. I never copy other people's work. I just cut and paste. Depends on the context. The funniest thing going today is the continued attempt, the absolute continued attempt by the African-American grifters to say that this woman, Claudine Gay, got fired because of Whitey. That's right. Because of Whitey. Look, let's be honest. Whitey had nothing to do with it. Whitey had nothing to do with Claudine Gay plagiarizing. Whitey had nothing to do with Claudine Gay being too woke, too ridiculous, to stand in front of Congress and denounce anti-Semitism on her campus. That was a Claudine Gay thing. Claudine Gay, in doing that, embarrassed her university. Embarrassed it. When you do those three things as a university president, chances are you're going to get fired. None of those things, zero of those things, was because of Whitey. Because of the almighty cracker. Now, race baiters can say whatever they would like. Race baiters can go out of their way. Go out of their way. We got academics, academic African-Americans defending plagiarism. Journalists opposing journalism. Newswire attributing scalping to white columnists. Everyone focusing on the frame. That's how you win. That's how you win. By the way, it's already starting with the people that have been on the plane. Alan Dershowitz, a Harvard man, he is saying that associates of Jeffrey Epstein had no idea about his private life. That is going to get interesting. That is going to get very, very interesting. Very interesting. Next! I can remember when testicular injuries in women's sports were almost non-existent. That, my friends, is funny. Girls having to wear cups is interesting. Girls getting their balls hit is interesting. Women having their pee-pee smacked is interesting. I never thought it would be that way. Never, ever, never did I think, did anybody think that the stickels of men would be attributed to the vajayjay of a woman. It is ridiculous, it's asinine, it's mental illness, and it should not be in women's sports. If you wanna be a dude, good for you. Go play with the dudes. That's not hating on transgender. I get it, you have to say that. That's just common sense. Hey, look, I'm a dude, trying to be a chick. Go play with the dudes. I'm a chick, trying to be a dude. Go play with the dudes. Ain't no thing. But why do both play against women? Explain that to me, spanky. You can't. You won't. You're dumb. By the way, Mark Lamont Hill, the next president of Harvard University must be a black woman. So Jerry Callahan, who has been on our show, I actually said this too. Okay. You good with Candace Owens? Mark Lamont Hill, this is the problem. Y'all think black women are interchangeable. No, you think black women are interchangeable. Keith Boykins says Claudine Gay is not immune to criticism, but some of the leading voices calling for her to be fired had a hidden agenda. And it's not about anti Semitism, it's about anti Blackness. No, it's about anti Semitism. Nobody wanted her fired until she became an anti Semite. Nobody wanted her fired until she embarrassed herself and then it became plagiarism. Nah, nobody wanted
2: that. No.
1: Nobody wanted any of that crap. Uh-oh. None. Next. <laughs> Identify as an idiot. Remember, never interp- interrupt an idiot when they are self-identifying. You know what I did last night? I watched. Um, I watched Dave Chappelle. I watched Dave Chappelle, and Dave Chappelle was great. Kind of. I got a little bored. But, man, did he double down on everything. He doubled down on transgender. He doubled down on idiots. He doubled down on handicapped folks. He doubled down on idiots. Whoo! Man. I got bored at the end. He started talking about dreams. But I don't know why I mentioned Dave Chappelle other than when I see this woman, I just think of all of the things that are stupid. Hey, uh, one last thing. Uh, Stop blaming Whitey. Look. Just stop blaming Whitey. It's not Whitey's fault. It's not Whitey's fault that a president of a university, a white president of a university, got fired at Penn for not plagiarism, like the president of Harvard, no. Got fired at Penn because she was so woke and so misguided that she actually thought it was a good idea to get in front of Congress, embarrass Penn, and not condone anti-Semitism. She got fired a couple days later, even after an apology. Claudine Gay, the DEI hire as president, $900,000 at Harvard, faced the same fate. Only problem was, for her, when Harvard decided, well, we're not sure we can fire an African-American woman. Really? Why not? Why not just do what's right? People started digging in. See, nobody dug into the president of Penn because why? Penn acted swiftly, decisively. Harvard did not. Harvard waited. Harvard made it seem as if we're gonna keep this anti-Semite. Now, some of the groups we all get, the alphabet Nazis of LGQBT, whatever, they're strong. So are anti-Semites. Actually, that should involve everybody in the country. But it doesn't. We've seen that. So once you have anti-Semitism running rampant on your campus and you get in front of the Congress folk and you're not tough enough, smart enough, or sensible enough or compassionate enough to denounce it, people start talking. People want you fired. And they should. Donors start leaving. Trustees start asking problems start problems start you wait people say wait a second let's check into who Claudine Gay is they found out Claudine Gay is a plagiarist she's lazy she didn't do the work nothing worse in academia or at least nothing should be worse in academia than plagiarizing particularly as you're rising through the ranks and next thing you know you're president of what harvard got to be cl- got to be clean maybe you do some deals with alumni but you got to be clean she wasn't She got fired, rightfully so. Blame Whitey all you want, but you're just exposing yourself as a nonsensical grifter. You're not exposing yourself as a race warrior. You're exposing yourself as someone that wants to be treated equal but special. And that ain't right. Next up, MIT. What are you doing? What are you doing? Fire her and fire her immediately. Hope you enjoyed us on Outkick. We'll be back on Outkick tomorrow. Yes, there will be a chat and it will be coming. It's just a matter of getting the whole thing set up. See you tomorrow.